Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is is useful, but it's not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. Mental, mental, health mental health Monday. Hey, I'm Riggs. I do mornings on 103.7 Kiss FM with Riggs and Allie in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and. I host this weekly Rigs Off the Radio podcast. This week on Mental Health Monday, talking depression again. Last week we talked to a doctor, Dr. Jerry Halverson from Rogers Behavioral Health, and we kind of broke down depression and talked about it, took it down to its roots, how people deal with it, how you get depression, life with depression. So this week, instead of talking to a doctor, we're going to talk to another dude. And this is a different discussion with another dude. This is Jim Hill, who we're talking to this week. I was given Jim's name by Mental Health America of Wisconsin, who is somebody that I work closely with for these Mental Health Monday podcasts. Jim Hill is 67 years old, and I immediately looked at his age, and I thought, he's probably an older guy. I'm not sure of his story, and I put him to the side, and I was going to talk to Jim, and I had all these other people I was going to be talking to, but I kept circling back to Jim. And I was like, how am I going to, what, what can I talk to Jim about? How can I relate to him? And then I read his story. And Jim has lived with depression his entire life. Jim, at the time of his attempted suicide back in 1993, was a member of the largest single subpopulation of individuals most at risk for suicide. And we've talked about this before on Mental Health Monday. Men between the ages of 40 and 64, like working age men, are as part of the biggest population for suicides. And that's why I like to talk to men the most for Mental Health Monday because men are terrible at talking about their feelings. But Jim is amazing at talking about his feelings. He's managed his depression his entire life. And I wanted to see how he does it. I also wanted to talk to Jim about how the mental health stigma has shifted. If Jim is 67 years old, he has seen suicide and mental health evolve from this you can't talk about it suicide is a crime type thing into what it is now it's so it's, it's almost it's on a, an epidemic type level the suicide so that's where i decided to take the conversation with jim he's a board member for mental health america of wisconsin and if you listen closely i was listening while i was editing our interview he sounds like jeff bridges tell me you don't hear jeff bridges in jim hill's voice Turns out Jim manages his depression by being incredibly open about it and talking about his mental illness on a public platform. This is managing your whole life with depression. This is my conversation with Jim Hill. 
from Mental Health Monday. Yes, that's correct. Can you correct. just uh, say and spell your first and last name just yeah. to get a sound level check? Yeah, Jim Hill, J-I-M, last name H-I-L-L. And by the way, I know how to spell that. I was just doing it for oh, sound checking. No. I've, I've, I've been through this a couple of times. I didn't times want you before. to be like, this guy can't spell my name, Jim Hill. As a matter of fact, that's one of, that was one of my tactics to um, remember people's names. When I would meet yeah. someone in public, if I didn't know, I would say, how do you spell your name again? I was trying to think of it the other day. What? That's but a great idea. But it would screw idea. me because they would be like, my name's Jill. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it one L or three? I didn't know. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Jim, thanks for coming oh, on today. I yeah, appreciate you being you. on Mental Health Monday. Briggs, thanks very much for inviting me. I of appreciate it. Of course. Now, you're on the opposite end of the spectrum now. Uh, just to put it right. bluntly, I've talked to some younger people, so you're on the other end. You're on the older spectrum. I mean, you're right. you're pushing 70 now, which is yeah. awesome. You look great, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. You uh, do. You look like you're in good spirits. I'm I'm, I'm getting there. Right. I'm getting there. And yep. you're now uh, on the board of directors for Mental Health America of Wisconsin, right. correct? Right. That's correct. Um, right. What else did you do leading up to that, I mean, in your work I've life? I've done... A variety of things. I had a 34-year career in government, okay. uh, working at every level of government there is in the legislative and executive branches. Okay. Most recently, uh, in the past 15 years, I've been the director for the mental health system for okay. Milwaukee County yeah. and uh, the director of housing for Milwaukee County as well. Okay. Um, I worked for a time for the Milwaukee Center for Independence, right. seven years for them. But my experience has been varied. Um, I've run agencies and programs sure. and departments. I've worked with legislators, and I worked in the Congress. I worked in the state legislature. I've worked in city councils. Sure. So, now, so depression is something that's affected you your whole life for the has. most part. When it did has. It, when did it start? At a very young age, or how far back did it go? As, as I've often reflected on this, I do not remember a time when I didn't feel depressed at some point. It's been with me all my life. Yeah. Um, and if, I, if I had to put a date on it, I've, it had to be around five years of age. Yeah. Uh, it was very... Um, I grew up in a difficult household, yeah. um, which didn't help very much. Depression runs in my family. My yeah. father had it. He was... Um, um, a very, you know, very uh, severely depressed. Very often, yeah. um, I witnessed it. Um, I picked up the genes. Uh, my mother, my mother had it. I'm one of eleven children, uh, the second oldest, and many of my siblings have it. Um, they, none of them that I'm aware, at any rate, has um, wrestles with it in stages that get as severe as mine but, right. but it's still there did you hide it for a while because a lot of men hide their depression they right. don't want to they don't want to open up and say that they're weak they think right. that the that first step the admitting that you have a problem yeah. that you think you could be exactly. depressed they don't do that how long right. did you hide it how long did right. you keep it hid inside because it, we'll get to it in a moment i mean yeah. you've been to the edge of like suicide attempts yeah. which right. we'll get to right. in a moment but right. how long did you hide it it's a it's a great question um, early on i remember um, very distinctly that I had some. I thought it was just how I was born, you know. Yeah. The, the mood, you know. I was a moody kid. Sure. You know, I Everybody's like be, this. Must be right. Exactly. I tended to be somewhat quiet and and shy. I didn't mix well with with uh, classmates and that kind of thing. Um, but I grew up in a very strict household. Um, and there was no such thing as not getting out of bed in the morning, even when I 
just I didn't know how the, I could do it. You're preaching to the choir. My dad would turn on the light at right. seven and o'clock was, in the morning, and, and that was it. We're up. Let's go. <laughs> and Come you're on. Up. Let's go. Um, yeah. And at the, and at that time, um, no one talked about depression. No one gave it a name. Some, you know. Some people t- you know, talked about being moody. Yeah. Uh, my mother always used to refer to my father as, you know, whenever he was in a state of depression, as being in, in one of his moods. Yeah. But as, as difficult as it was to get out of bed in the morning when I was very young and yeah. going through these cycles, um, there was no not getting out of bed. There was no saying, I just, you know, I just, I don't feel good today. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sad. I'm, um, I didn't know what, I didn't know yeah, what, you don't know how to express to it, yeah, exactly. but you're in there. And exactly. so basically you got to suck it up and deal with it. Right. You got to move on with your life, Exactly. push it aside, which is awful. Right. And in the, and in, in my particular case, the, the experience, um, was, it, it I was, it was a difficult experience growing up in my house, yeah. but it was also, um, very difficult being outside because I was when I went to school I was bullied. Yeah. Um, so you know that my, doesn't help. My father was uh, was a, a very strict disciplinarian who military background at all? No, maybe? no. No. As a matter of fact, he studied to be a Catholic priest. Oh wow. <laughs> um, but he came from a very he was an only child came yeah. from, from a very strict background and used physical punishment regularly um and of all the my siblings um most of the rest of my siblings observed me getting most of the physical punishment so when i it wasn't you know imagine though for a you know seven eight nine year old kid it wasn't safe at home and it wasn't safe to go out yeah you know it was just it was it was awful it sounds like you've been, that sounds like a lot of where probably made it worse, I would think. Right, right. This, just throughout the right. years. Exactly. The stress, you know, what we, what we know about brain science now um, is just phenomenal. We, oh, know yeah. what, we know what the chemistry of the brain, how it operates. We know its effects on other systems. Yeah. Um, we know their effects on, you know, levels of, what levels of stress do to um, uh, heart conditions and sure. all, you know and all manner of other health issues well the, the thing about health issues is if you had a bad knee you would talk to your doctor if you right. had if you had exactly. something wrong with your kidneys you would take medication exactly. people take heart medication all the time right. and there's this stigma about if I take something for my brain I'm doing something exactly. wrong I shouldn't be doing that and that was that was really quite prevalent in fact my um, I, anecdotally, my father would refuse to see a, a psychiatrist right. back then, not only for the stigma associated with it, but because he actually operated under the belief for many years that all he had to do was just snap out of it. Right. You know, just how did what was the stigma around suicide back then? There's a stigma about it now. What yeah. was it like when you were growing up when a suicide happened? Um, it I, used to, there was at one point it was a crime. I don't know if that was still it was yeah. it was a crime, uh, which is really kind odd. of ironic. It's an odd thing to but you know. This is a terrible scene. By the way, you're under arrest. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Which makes no sense. And which is absurd on its face if you think about it. Yeah, but it's yeah, it was considered a crime. Um, what I 
I don't directly recall yeah. from experiences with other families because if it had occurred in some other family, Nobody you never about knew it. about it. Yeah. You know, if, well, that's what uh, happened. If a, if a, yeah, if a person and someone in a, in, if a family or, or the friend uh, had a family member who died suddenly, yeah. it was, you know, something... They, 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 they had some kind of illness. Sure, heart, you know, attack. That, heart attack. Heart attack or yes, something like something. that. That You never called it suicide. Yeah. You never acknowledged that suicide could possibly have been the reason um, because it was, it was considered not only a crime, but, you know, for for Catholics, you know, strict oh, Catholics, yeah, it, was a, it sin. was a sin. You know, you're, I mean, you're one way ticket to hell is what my family thought exactly. for the longest time, too. Exactly. So you had that layered on top of it. You had... And at that time, in particular, men, men didn't talk about it because it was shaming. Sure. You know, it was That was something for women. Women had depressive issues. Women are moody. Women right. have the mood swings. Right. Not exactly. us. We're not, men. Not guys. And if we do have mood swings, we sure as hell don't tell anybody about right. them. We don't talk about them. Right. We get over them. Have you seen the shift in that at all? And personally, in you, and societally, both. That's a great question. I was, in fact, in fact, I was thinking about that on the way down. That I, I do think that there is a shift in how the disease is perceived, right? For men in particular, um, I think. Um, you know, sadly, I think the. Um, experiences of Robin Williams and the um, others more recently, sure. uh, men in particular who have who have died by suicide, you know, are sensitizing other men who know they're struggling with depression, don't know how to talk about it. Um, particularly men who are my age, yeah. who have who who grew up and in a time when you kept it, was, it quiet, you, you kept, kept it inside it yeah. because there there were some. It was taboo to talk about it. Yeah, you know? was Robin Williams? Was that a moment when you either had the shift or when you had your suicide attempt? No, it was a, Robin's was very was uh, after my suicide attempt. Mine uh-huh. was my um, was in nineteen ninety three. Um, but I must tell you, um, what struck me about that was that here was a man who, in so many ways, was was similar to myself. I mean, I'm not a talented actor. I'm not right. a comedian. But, but the same age, same, same gender, age, same gender, same, same depression, right. same cyclic. Exactly, exactly. Up. And everything about the man, you know, the gifts he left. Behind, well, sure. We've got know. his movies. I watched Mrs. Doubtfire last weekend. Yeah, twice. I, I, and I, yeah, exactly. And I loved his. You know, I, I loved his talent. I mean, his his finest his finest movie. Ironically, from from my standpoint, it wasn't it wasn't terribly comedic, but it was Dead Poets Society. Yes, that know. was another good one as well. I mean, and there is a suicide in that uh-huh. movie. You know, which is really ironic. Mine was What Dreams May Come, which also yes, had a suicide right, in it. Was it was a suicide His wife right. took her life, and remember, he was trying yeah. to get her out of hell, which is the whole movie, which is amazing. I just got goosebumps saying that, that yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you're absolutely yes. right. Wow. Um, and it is ironic um, in, in, a, in a very sad sort of way that yeah. that was the case. You know, but his particular suicide, because of how I felt about him and how much I admired his... Um, 
brilliance in in his acting career. I mean, he, there wasn't a part he couldn't play. Yeah, you know, serious, funny, serious, both, funny. Everything. The whole range of human emotion he was able to do it, um, and yet it he carried something with him mm-hmm. that became too great to carry anymore, and yeah. he could not deal. It is hard to tell someone who is is fortunate enough not to have to experience this. It's very difficult to describe just how awful it feels. Depression. Um, yeah, and and when I think of his what depression was doing to him, it the the apparent disconnect to to others between this man who found something funny to talk about and laugh about and get other people to laugh about over and over again in his career they it's natural they ask the question how could somebody it's always the question how and funny, why um be be so profoundly depressed well it yeah. happens mm-hmm. you know, and you only see one side of his life right. you don't see the behind the curtain exactly. you see the funny guy on stage that's animated and over the top you don't see the guy that's behind the scenes when he gets off stage and he's tired and exactly he's pulled exactly. in a hundred thousand different directions right. and can right. you imagine the demands of the celebrity this movie was right. so great now we have to do better we have to do a better right. movie it's right the demands and those are all, those are all those are all stressors and and stress what the other thing we know about brain science is that stress is both a product of and a trigger for depressive episodes the pain of it the for me and i i don't doubt for a moment for robin williams and many others the the, the pain is physical yeah i mean it's not it is it is, it is. Produ- the chemicals are produced in the brain that do it, but the burden, the 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 weight is yeah. is palpable. It's palpable. Now, as a now a man who's lived a full life, you know, but you still got more life to live in you. Yeah, I can tell. You look like I you're just, certainly hope right? so. I'm, I'm determined. <laughs> well, I don't well, want to go back I mean, there. You're, you're 70 now. You've almost 70. You're pushing that. You're, you've seen the whole span of mental health kind of change and evolve over the years, and you're still. Um, you've learned to manage your depression and you deal with it still day to day. You said you had an episode just right. not too long ago, right. a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah. What kind of advice would you give to maybe younger men or yeah. men in that age now yeah. about yeah. dealing with it and moving forward with it and being open and honest about their depression? Yeah. Um, what I, the, the best advice that I can give is to talk about my depression, is to talk publicly about it, yeah. is, to, is to break the silence around it. Silence never solves a depressive episode. Never. What I would say, the words I would give to it would be, you're not alone. I, and believe me, uh, Riggs, when I, I sat, my method of choice for my attempted suicide was carbon monoxide asphyxiation. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in the car in the garage late at night. My family was in the other on the other side of the house. They're all they they were asleep. Um, there was I went over and over in my head the things that people could say to me and how they would sound to me. And one of them was "You're not alone," and I would and my response would my the, my response in my own head was "I am alone." 
I mean, I am not only physically alone here, but there no one under no one knows what this is is like. It others do know what it's like. The the reason that the the best medicine for this is to talk about it. Yeah, is to is to be able to say to another person who is in a profoundly depressive state. Yeah. You are not alone, and it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. You don't try to talk them out of it. You try to get them to talk about it. Yeah. And get them to talk. Get you need to be a good listener, I think. You, you have to be a good listener. Yeah. And getting them to talk about it and give voice to something that, that perhaps men my age have never talked about. Yeah. Um, can be a tremendously um, cathartic um, experience and enable them to feel, it's a slightly overworked word, but it it fits here, empowered to do something with their their bodies. Take control of your depression and say, I'm going to control the depression instead of it controlling me. It controlling me. And And it is possible, and I'm living proof, Literally living proof mm-hmm. that you can survive this. It, it can get better. It can get better. Mm-hmm. Now, there are levels of severity of depression. Mine happens to be major chronic depression, mm-hmm. which I need to... I was very reluctant to go on medication initially. That was another part of the psyche, you know, the psyche of that. Yeah. You know, not only did you not talk about it, you didn't admit it to anybody. You certainly didn't go to see a, a shrink. Yeah. Which is that shrink saved my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you also didn't take medicine for it um, because my fear was that if I took drugs to take care of this depression that was going on in my brain it would addle my brain i mean i would walk around like a zombie and yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to think straight and i'd stumble it was like none nothing that. like that it was yeah. nothing like that but it I, the only way i was going to know that was to go up to that a bit the, the edge of that abyss mm-hmm. and look over it it was your suicide attempt do you remember in that moment what it was that turned you around, that brought you back? What was it that was going through your mind that made you stop and say, this is the wrong thing to do? The image I had in my, that caused me at the last possible moment, I swear, um, to back away was the image of earlier in the evening when we were at the dinner table, my wife, my two sons and I, I had been, I had adopted the posture I remember vividly that my father had with his head in his hands, like this staring down at a plate of food that was getting cold that he never touched. Yeah. And then I, and I had been sitting there and I looked up and looked at my sons and they were, that what I saw on their faces was they were scared to death. They didn't know what was going on. Yeah. All they knew was that my hands were over my head. Uh, they didn't know what to do. Their mother didn't know how to explain it. Did they know that you were depressed at that they time? Didn't, they didn't know because I never, ta- I never talked to them about it. Right. I lived it through them. Um, I saw them, the one 
and as I was sitting in the car, I, I, I remember distinctly beginning to become dizzy and nauseous, yeah. which are the indicators that the, you know, the right. carbon monoxide is making its way through your system. And I saw their faces, and I said, I don't know where it came from, but I, I must have reached down, way deep down, for something that said to me, I can't leave them in this condition. Of course. Is your father still with you? No? He's, could, no, could he been your, passed could, away. But very well, he, could have been your father talking yeah, to you somewhere. could have been. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. If you're into the sign type stuff. Right. And I said, I, I can't leave them in this condition no. because if I do, they will never have, their, their questions will never be answered. So you now know, obviously, as a giant regret of yours, that probably just talking about it, you may have been able to avoid that altogether. Right. Being exactly. in that situation, yes, being in your exactly. car, having that, exactly. being that close to death. Exactly. I don't know where the strength came from to do it, um, but I'm grateful for that, and I'm yeah. grateful for the help I finally had the good sense to seek. Yeah, I am too. Uh, because I've never talked to somebody that's been that close, and I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you're still here. And yeah. thank you, thank you for being it. thank you for being so open about it. Thank I you. really appreciate it, Jim. You. You're welcome, Jim thank Hill you. from yes. Mental Jim Health America, Hill. Wisconsin. But I know how to spell two L's. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the man said it himself. He's literal, living proof that you can manage your depression. You can manage your mental illness if you talk about it. If you sit in silence. You're just doing a disservice to yourself. And if you think there's no one to talk to, I hate to tell you this, but you're wrong. There's always somebody willing to talk. There's always someone willing to listen. Just try it. He's got the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day. Or if you don't want to talk, you can always text HELLO to 741-741. The Crisis Text Line, someone will text back with you. Thanks for checking out another Mental Health Monday. You can always reach out to me. My website is rigsradio.me. And if you enjoyed this week's Mental Health Monday, I encourage you to subscribe and check back and listen to the other ones. We're building quite a collection of Mental Health Mondays. And I'll talk to you next time. I'm Riggs from Riggs and Alley in the morning. Have a great day or afternoon or weekend or whatever you're doing. And make good life decisions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.